0: Does somebody need an attitude adjustment? That's what dad says. I love you forever and ever and always. And that's what daddy says. If you're gonna do something, do it right. That's what dad said. I love you, that's what dad says. My dad's famous word, because (laughs) I said so. I love my dad because he brings me coffee. (coughs) I love my dad because he plays basketball with me. She loves her dad because he (coughs) he takes her outside. Life isn't always fair. Buck up and expect it. That's what dad said. Daddy says who loves you more than I do and we say no one. one. Mm. That's what dad said. I love you, but I love your mom more. That's what dad said. That's what dad says. There's some strange dads out there, right? (laughs) Hey, welcome, everybody. Good to see you here. Uh, Our live congregation, also our live stream congregation. Very important to us. You know, we had uh, 147 here last Sunday in the three services on the campus. We had like 159 watching us live stream or on demand. So our live stream audience is very important to us too, our congregation rather. Welcome home, everyone. Today we're going to honor fathers. It is Father's Day. We've been in a sermon series entitled Obey Everything, taken from the Great Commission. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. So we're, what we've been doing since February is mining the Gospel of Matthew for the commands of Jesus and making sure we're in obedience. And so the Old Testament command is to honor your father and your mother, but Jesus repeated it. And so today we'll focus on the honor your father part. Now, ultimately, you know, we don't take our cues from the calendar every Sunday. We always want to make sure in church that our focus is on God and we're worshiping God. So we want to we honor our heavenly Father. So maybe we can do both things. As a vehicle, I want to use the Lord's Prayer this morning. Just break that out and look at five ways that we can honor our fathers at the same time we're honoring our Heavenly Father. So, number one, we honor our fathers for giving us a name. For giving us a name. So, when we're born again, we come up out of the waters of baptism, we've been adopted into God's family. And he gives us the name Christian, that literally means to belong to Christ, Christian belonging to Christ. That's where our identity comes from, our spiritual identity, our ultimate. Ultimately, we are rooted in Christ and we're part of God's family, and that is very important. And likewise, when we're born into a physical family or adopted into a family, we take that family name, usually it's the father's name. Now, as a joke, I did read recently where a father (laughs) named his three children, Hungry, Thirst, bored, hung, thirsty, hungry, and bored. Uh, and he said he did it just for the jokes. So hungry comes to him and says, Dad, I'm hungry. And he says, I know you are. Would you like something to eat? So I don't know if that's true or not. But in all seriousness, when we go into a family, our identity comes from our family. And that is very important, our sense of belonging. In fact, it's critical to us. I just finished reading a memoir by Saru Breerly. Saru Breerly was born in India. And his father abandoned his family when he was three years old, a family of five that plunged them into poverty. And so he and his older brother would go to the train station there near their local village every day to beg for food and money. It's just one of the things they had to do to try to survive. His mom was out working construction. And they had the three children there. And one day when he was five years old, he got separated from his older brother at the train station, got onto a train, and the train took him 900 miles away from his hometown. He wound up in Calcutta uh, and didn't, you know, he was just five years old. And he didn't know how to tell anybody where he was from or who his family was. So he wandered around in Calcutta for a few days just living on the streets Finally, somebody took him to a police station, and that's where this picture was taken uh, by the police at the police station. He's five years old. And then they put him into an adoption agency there, and he was adopted by an Australian couple, John and Sue Briarly, who raised him. Well, he writes about the impact that had on his life, and he says, Mom and Dad, this, this couple in Australia, were very affectionate right from the start, always giving me lots of cuddles, making me feel safe, secure, Loved and above all, wanted. That meant a lot to a child who'd been lost and had experienced what it was like for no one to care about him. End quote. Well, that's important for for any of us. We all need that. We need to be cared, feel like we're cared for, we're secure, and we belong. The Journal of Research on Adolescence confirms that even after adjusting for income, kids in father absent homes are more likely to end up in jail. And kids who never had a father in the house are the most likely to wind up behind bars. And last week, we referenced another statistic, the, the greatest predictor of whether a young person has grow up and be involved in violent crime is whether or not they were in a father-absent home. So dads, your your name, your presence, the security that you provide is huge in our lives. We honor you for that. By the way, number of people... Said, make sure you mention this. They mentioned this to me last Sunday, looking forward to today, that we Christian men sometimes have the opportunity to step in to a, an environment where there's a father absent home and make a huge difference in a child's life. My father's funeral years ago, at his funeral, my best friend Byron came up to me and he said, You know, your dad was like a dad to me, right? I said, No, I had never realized that. But we grew up together, he was in the, the house right behind ours, and in retrospect. I could see it. I'd only seen our friendship when we were growing up, but he was always—he was—he was growing up in a father-absent home. He was always over at our house. He spent the night countless times. My dad took him with us on fishing trips, went with us on family vacations, and uh, my dad had stepped into his life and kind of filled a void there. So a good thing for us to remember as Christian men, sometimes if, op- if the opportunity is there, we might be able to step in and make a huge difference for uh, a little girl, a little boy, and have that Christian influence for them. So, but first of all, so we honor you, fathers, for giving us a name. Secondly, we honor you for teaching us authority. All right, the next part of the prayer: Your kingdom come, Your will be done. So when we pray this every day, we prayed that this morning. Right off the bat, we're acknowledging to God, God, our Father in heaven. It's all about you. It's not about me. And we're sub. I subordinate my will to Your will. Your will be done, and the kingdom of God. Is wherever God's will is being done. And that starts in our hearts. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is within you. So I set apart Christ as Lord in my heart. And so there's the ultimate authority. That's where our respect for authority comes from. And then God delegates authority. So there's civil authority and there's family authority. And we learn to respect the authority of our parents in the home. The Hebrew writer says in Hebrews twelve seven, Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? We respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. Amen to that. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Authority and discipline, structure, very important. The late rapper, Tupac Shakur, the late rapper, he said in an interview, I know for a fact that had I had a father, I'd have some discipline. I'd have more confidence. He said, your mother cannot calm you down the way a man can. You need a man to teach you how to be a man. And he said, this is, this is one of the reasons, absent father, why he got involved with gangs and with drugs. Of course, he died an early death. In the Old Testament, Eli was a, prof, a priest rather of God. He had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were also priests. It was like a family business. But Eli's sons were corrupt, and they were immoral. And Eli did not do anything about it. And God pronounced judgment on him through the prophet Samuel. In 1 Samuel 3, he said, I have warned Eli that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he has not disciplined them. Solomon writes in Proverbs 13, If you refuse to discipline your son, it proves you don't love him. For if you love him, you will be prompt to punish him. Back in the day when Tame and I were in college together, we took a class on Christian family living with Dr. Roger Chambers. We learned a number of things. One, of the, We learned 10 rules for discipline or guidelines for discipline. They're not all original with Roger Chambers. Some of them come from Dr. James Dobson and other sources. Let me just share these with you. Number one, raise them so you can like them. Raise them so you can like them. Most people love their kids. Not everybody likes their kids. So you Raise them so you can like them. Number two, what you permit, you teach what you permit, you teach. Therefore, number three, no uncontrolled behavior allowed, right? So no temper tantrums, no bad attitudes. Four, only tell them once and then follow up with discipline if necessary. Don't count down from 10, 9, 8, 7. Okay, when I count to three, don't get all hot and bothered. Uh, One counselor was talking to these parents and he said, you should not be angry when you discipline your children. And they were shocked. They said, what, are we supposed to punish them in cold blood? Said, yes, punish them in cold blood. Don't, just tell them once. Number five, parental unity at all costs. Don't let the little darlings divide and conquer. Parental unity is most important. Number six, the home is a benevolent dictatorship, not a democracy. No vote, it's not a republic, it's not like America, It's not a mobocracy. Benevolent dictatorship, and dad is the dictator. Or maybe mom... But today is Father's Day, so we'll just say it's dad. Number seven, define the boundaries before they are enforced. That's fair. Number eight, reassure and teach the child after the confrontation. Lots of love, lots of hugs, lots of kisses. Number nine, avoid impossible demands. And for all of these, there may be exceptions from time to time. So number 10, let love be your guide. Always let love be your guide. Fathers, we honor you for teaching us authority. All right, number three, just moving through the Lord's Prayer here. Uh, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. So, our fathers, we honor you for your provision, for your provision. Ultimately, our Father in heaven is our provider. So that's where we're praying. Give us this day our daily bread. So God provides for us. Now, I know you work hard for your money. You work hard for it, honey. I get that. But the Bible actually says it's God who gives us the ability to work and make money. God created gold and silver. How else would we make money if there wasn't for gold and silver? That he, or I should say, in America, he created paper and plastic. So we have the materials with which to make money. But we recognize that. So God is providing for us. That uh, memoir that I mentioned, A Long Way Home, Saru Briley, very interesting. When I was reading that, at least the first half of the book really describes his life in India and how impoverished they were. I was reminded once again how materially blessed we are here in America Many of you have traveled outside of the country to third world countries, and and you know what I'm talking about right now. But it was a good reminder. I've never had to beg for food a day in my life. I've never really even had to worry about food, clothing, or shelter at all. Not everybody in our world can say that, can they? That is a tremendous blessing to be grateful for. And when I was a child, that was due because of my parents and my dad making sure that we were provided for. So this area of provision and material provision, I don't want to move past that too quickly or because it's significant. You know how many dads in America don't even do that basic thing? Tens of thousands who don't provide for their families. So thank you for doing that. We honor you for that. There are other types of provision besides physical and material provision. So spirit when we say, God, thank you for food, clothing, and shelter, that's appropriate. But God also gives us spiritual food. Bread of life, living water, spiritual clothing. We're, the Bible says we're clothed with a robe of righteousness, which we need to be acceptable to God. And spiritual shelter, he's the, the cleft of the rock. We're, God is our fortress, you know, our shelter. So he provides for us spiritually and he loves us. Likewise, uh, Christian fathers especially understand we're not just providing the material things. We're providing other needs that our families have and that our children have. Such as love and acceptance. And love is spelled T I M E. Francis Chan tells about visiting orphanages in Africa, and he says, and I believe this is true, that eighty percent of the children that are in those orphanages have parents back at home, so they're not in the orphanages because they have no they're, they're orphan. They're there because their parents believe the orphanage can provide them more material things than they can because they're impoverished. So they're going to get food, clothing, shelter, and education. Nevertheless, Franchan says, as he's interviewing these children, almost to a person, they would rather be back home with their parents than at the orphanage. Even though materially they have more, they'd rather be back at that home. That's how important that family unit is to them. It's a good reminder to us, although parents often think we have to work hard and both people have to go to work and put in all these hours to make ends meet and understand life is expensive. Let's remember what our children primarily need, not necessarily the best America has to offer materially. They need mom and they need dad in their lives. They need that love and that acceptance. Uh, So, there was an elderly man, he was up in the attic, and he was going through and clearing things out, and he came across a journal that his son had kept when his son was a little boy. He didn't even realize his son had kept a journal. But he had, and he was flipping through it, and he realized he himself had kept a business journal all of those years. And so, he took that, and he went down the stairs, and he dug around, and he got out his old business journal. And he laid these two journals out side by side, his business journal and the, son, the, the journal his son had kept when he was six years old. And he found, he found an entry for the very same days, right around, it was in June, and he saw what he had written, and then he saw what his son had written. And he, he realized the two different perspectives. So what he'd written in his business journal was, when fishing with my son today, didn't catch a thing, wasted day. For that same day, his son's entry, six years old, was when fishing with my dad today, didn't catch a thing, best day of my life. Two different perspectives. What our children need, they need love. And that love is spelled time, time. So we thank you. We honor you, fathers, for providing for us. All right, here's another one. Uh, see. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those or our debtors, or forgive us our trespasses, or forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. We honor you, fathers, for teaching us grace. If there's an environment where we need unlimited grace and second chances, it's the family. And that starts with dad. Of course, God does that. Our Heavenly Father does that for us. And fathers do this for us. Distinguishing between approval and acceptance. So, we we'll always have acceptance for our children, even if we don't necessarily approve for what they happen to be doing at any given time. They're still, they're still our son, they're still our daughter, we're still loving on them and giving that acceptance. Also, distinguishing between willful disobedience and childish irresponsibility. Those are two different things, requiring two different reactions or actions. Grady Nut was a minister and a humorist and he tells about uh, a family that was a member of a church and the church got a new minister and so this family wanted to have the new minister and his wife over for a dinner the mom wanted to make a good impression so before that that dinner day she spent a whole week schooling her children and drilling them on good manners so the day finally came and the, they have church and then the minister and his wife come over for lunch and she's there busy making the dining room ready and dad is visiting with the, the minister in the living room here. And finally, mom comes out and says, I think everything's ready. So they go into the dining room and it is laid out beautifully. They've got the white linen tablecloth. They've got the cloth napkins the good china. Everything's all set, ready to go. They sit down at the table, bow for prayer. And when dad says amen... They look up, six-year-old daughter, she's really nervous, reaches out to get her tea, knocks her glass of tea over. Tea goes everywhere on the white linen tablecloth. Tea spills over into her little brother's lap. He jumps up, yells at his sister, knocks his tea over in the process. This is turning into a disaster. And before anybody can do anything, about a split second, dad reaches over and he just pushes his glass of tea over and starts laughing. Preachers quit to catch on, so the minister knocks his tea over. Minister's wife knocks her tea over. And then everybody's looking at mom, who doesn't know whether to laugh or to cry. And finally, she just reaches out, takes her glass of tea, and turns it upside down all over the table, and they all have a big laugh. Dad looks over at his six-year-old daughter and gives her a wink. She winks back, but as she does, a tear squeezes out of her eye as she looks at her dad with worshipful adoration, who because of a gracious attitude has taken what could have been a spirit-breaking moment and turned it into a moment of grace and mercy. Well, this is what the good dads do. They teach us, they model us grace. And we honor you fathers for doing that and our families. And then finally, for protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I was reading about uh, River Hobbs. River Hobbs, the little boy, the little boy there, who was hiking with his family in Big Bend, Texas. Family's out hiking when along comes a mountain lion. It's a true story. Mountain lion attacks ri- River Hobbs clamps down on his neck and on his face. And uh the dad there sprung into action and started fighting with the mountain lion. Had a little pocket knife and everything and fought with the mountain lion, and the mountain lion ran away, and he saved his son's life. Hey, that's what dads do. They do what they got to do to protect the family. And likewise, in the Old Testament, we read about David. And this was before he was the king of Israel, but his family was kidnapped. His wife and his children were kidnapped, and David rode to their rescue and got his kids back, rescued his kids. That's what dads do. Also in the Old Testament, Gideon, one of the judges in the book of Judges, God told him, he said, I want you to go out in the middle of the night in your hometown and destroy the altar to the idol Baal. And so Gideon did that. In the middle of the night, he destroys the altar to Baal. The next day, the townspeople form a mob, and the mob is at his front door, pounding on the door, Said, send Gideon out here. We're going to kill him. And it was Gideon's dad, Joash, who stepped outside that door, and he said, I tell you what, you let Baal take care of himself. You all go home. And they went home, and Joash saved his son's life, Gideon. That's what dads do. Jesus' earthly father on at least two occasions did what he had to do to save Jesus' life when there were those who wanted to take his life. You know, things are going crazy in America, right? And we seem to be heading into dark days, and it's just it's even more dangerous than it's ever been before. you got social, you got bullying on social media channels. Parents really have to be on top of things, take care of their kids, sometimes even their grandkids, and uh, protecting their children. But also, not just physical protection, but there's spiritual protection, spiritual protection. Old river hops, they're getting attacked by a mountain lion. Well, the Bible says that there is an enemy, evil personified. The Bible describes him as a roaring lion seeking for those that it can devour, that he can devour. Hates everything God loves, hates all children. And fathers, you know, part of a father's job is to get in there and provide some spiritual protection. Letting the family see that it's dad who reads the Bible every day. And praise every day not just mom it's dad who makes sure the family emphasizes prioritizes church on sunday not just father's day mother's day christmas and easter but every sunday mark lowry christian comedian mark lowry told about his dad when he was growing up his christian dad has just made everybody had to be in church every sunday no exceptions sunday morning sunday night wednesday night anybody remember when we had sunday night wednesday night had to be there every, every time. He said, if the preacher was going to wash the windows at the church building, his family would show up, fill their pew, and watch him do it. Dad made sure. Of course, all kids try to get out of going to church. And his dad would always say, you can't get out of church unless you're sick. And so he'd say, I'm sick. His dad would say, throw up and prove it. And, uh, and, and uh, even if he did throw up, his dad would say, now, don't you feel better? Let's go to church. <laughs> he couldn't win. But this is what dads do. They set the, prior, the spiritual priorities, set that example so that children see faith, church, God, and spiritual things. Not, they're not just the domain of women and children. They're the domain of men, of godly men. And just following just follow the basic example of our Father in heaven. Jesus prayed in John 17 to His Father over His disciples who were like His spiritual children. He said, Holy Father... Protect them by the power of your name. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. So we close this morning. Would you say with me the Lord's Prayer? You can use thee, thou, thine, whatever version you want. Uh, When we get to the part about the debt, we'll just say, forgive us our debts. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.